Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, another part of Fan Friday. You guys have been showing up in droves, spurring on some great conversation. We keep having to turn these into two part episodes, Alex. But tonight, or, or I guess last night, something really exciting happened. We, we, we got slightly off the topic of the Knicks and we got into like this whole big, deep, um, I'm, I'm going to call it a philosophical debate on, on what it means to be one of the greatest players of all time how to rank players in general, um, how much to take into account certain types of context, what types of context to prioritize the most when doing that. It was a fascinating conversation, Alex. Yeah, it's uh, amazing what happens when someone comes in to, I guess, troll the room and just (laughs) posted Kobe is the goat in our chat and then uh, put in a speaker request, but we do like a take turns sort of thing. So the person got impatient and left. But after they left, we looked through the chat and we we're like, huh, someone put Kobe as the GOAT. Inspired this whole discussion about what it means to be one of the greatest players of all time. How much do we prioritize rings over, you know, success? Like, what? how will guys like Chris Paul be remembered? Like, if Chris Paul never ends up with a championship and has his limited uh, playoff success, but such a decorated career otherwise, how will he be remembered? How, you know, different players are viewed differently for whatever reason, despite having similar resumes. Just a really interesting discussion. We called a bunch of people up to talk, uh, even had someone come in from Brazil, shout out to Rafa. Uh, and it was a great discussion. So I won't hold this up any longer. It's coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And it's another part of Fan Friday. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times, which hopefully, fingers crossed, will be very soon. we got my first broadcast coming up in two weeks. Very excited about that. And I'm joined by Alex Wolf. He is the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, just the best Knicks website out there in the whole wide world. And I'm not going to delay this conversation any longer because it's a really fun one. We get into the GOAT convo and all the hullabaloo that goes along with it right now on Locked on Knicks. Down, we did have another request, but it looks yeah, like we, that we, one. We had, we had Joseph, but I don't, I don't know if he's in anymore. Yeah, I think he might have had to leave the room. So if anybody else wants to get up, feel free. Um, otherwise, we could just look through the chat a little bit, chit-chat on some things from there. Uh, we had someone pop in to say Kobe is the best player of all time. Not going to lie. I disagree. <laughs> Gavin, where would you put Kobe on an all-time list? Oh man, I've uh, I've always been like slightly lower on him than most people in an all-time context, and not that I don't appreciate him. I I just I always thought there were parts of his game that were slightly counterproductive, and I feel like and and it makes sense just because of how he played and like that it got. I don't I don't think overhyped is is the right word, but. I, I think his his legend was almost 
greater than his impact slightly. And to be clear, that's because his legend is that of like a top three to five player all time. And I think he's probably closer to like eight to 14 or somewhere in that range. I think um, this, this, this will sound uh, very sacrilegious to most people fairly, but I think um, him versus uh, like the class of guys that are retire in I, maybe not the near, near future, but the relatively near future, him versus uh, Steph and KD down the road, I think will be fascinating as, as those guys kind of compete for like the ninth or 10th spot on an all-time list. Yeah, I was going to say, I would probably have him inside the top. Uh, well, not probably. I would have him inside the top 10. I, I don't know about top five. We've got a little bit of, uh, we've got some differing opinions in the in the chat. Uh, Brent, who was just up, says eight to nine. Uh, yeah, David Almanor. <laughs> He said above Shaq too. I, I don't, Brent. You could you write down in the chat. I don't get how you put him above Shaq. Shaq was literally the best player on their three title teams, and there, there wasn't really any debate about it. Yeah, I I was actually going to bring up Shaq. Like I actually I think I have Shaq ahead of Kobe as well, just because I, I don't think it's close. We we watched them play together, and we saw like who the alpha dog was on the. I know I know Shaq was older and a little bit more in his prime, but I, I mean the dude averaged what was he like thirty eight and fourteen in the finals. Like just Kobe never came close to replicating that. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing with Shaq, too, is that we saw Shaq carry teams to finals, too. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and to be like, fair, Kobe Kobe did that on the back end, but yeah, not, not uh, the yeah. same way. But had, I think, I think had a better supporting cast. Like, Bynum at his best, Pau Gasol at his best of his career, or arguably, you know, you can maybe say some of his Memphis tenure was a little better um, than his time with the Lakers, but he was pretty damn near his peak with the Lakers. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, meta world peace, AKA Ron Artest, you know, they had him on the team and, and he was, you know, playing some of his best ball. Lamar Odom at times, uh, was playing some of his best ball. So, I mean, there's, you know, Kobe had some pretty decent co-stars, I think. And uh, I would say that Shaq just like Shaq played with a young Kobe and, you know, took them to the finals, won those three played with a young Dwayne Wade and, you know, I, I guess you could make, you know, you could probably say that Wade had a bigger impact on the finals, but I think that Shaq had the biggest impact on the overall how good that Miami team was that year. Like, he was like the missing piece that made them into a title contender instead of just a, you know, a, a decent, like, fringe playoff team that they were the year before with rookie Wade. Um, I don't know. I, I just think I would probably put Shaq. Yeah, I think. Top. But. Yeah, Brent is making the argument that Kobe had better longevity, which is obviously true. And I think you have to take both into account. But it, it just it just sort of depends on how you think about these things. I personally, I value peak, a little, maybe not a lot more, but like peak is my tiebreaker for sure. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like, are you are you looking at like, I mean, are, are you looking at who is the best resume or who are the best players? I think those are those are two completely different conversations. Like like people, like if you're looking best resume, all of a sudden, like Carl Malone has to be what like the seventh or eighth best player of all time despite not winning a title but if i'm just saying who were who are the best players ever i was this is a random like name to bring up but i was thinking about this the other day i would say nikola Jokic right now is a way better player than carl malone um will ever be and, and maybe at the end of his career he'll, he'll be considered as such but but right now like if nikola Jokic were to retire today no one would be like oh he had a better career than carl malone so i, I just think it, it 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 all comes down to what you prioritize yeah yeah and and there was a there's an argument from uh, from Rafa, uh, who, uh, <laughs> who's first off saying that, <laughs> that 
<laughs> that you're crazy for saying that that Jokic is better than Malone. Um, but like he was saying that Tim Duncan, you know, also should be up there and maybe probably better than Shaq. And I w- I would probably subscribe to that theory as well. That I think just Duncan because of his longevity, like maybe he wasn't quite as dominant at his you know highest peak as Shaq was when he was at his peak of his powers with the Lakers, but the longevity is definitely there and like how how great he stayed all the way up until the day that he retired, um, still contributing to teams that had like a chance to win a finals all the way up till the end with him as one of the the key pieces, I think definitely is worth something kind of in a similar way to like when people want to say that Kareem is the goat because Kareem just played for so long and, you know, accrued all of his records, not by necessarily being the most dominant presence in the game. Although, you know, like in his early years, he definitely, you can make the case that he was, but like for his whole career, he was, he didn't have that, like that, like super dominant, stretch like Jordan where he was just like the best player for like an entire decade. Um, no, I mean, 70 to 80. He was, he was pretty much there. I would say. Yeah, I guess maybe that's true. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think who else would be in the conversation then. Like as far as the best player, cause yeah, Wilt was, Wilt was <laughs> wilting uh, Clyde maybe for a stretch. If we want to say like titles matter and all that stuff, uh, maybe for like the early seventies, but yeah, it's an interesting, interesting thing. I'm half tempted to just kind of like ask a couple people up on on the stage here. Does would you guys want to? I'm gonna just send out a couple invites if people just want to get up here and say their piece real quick. Uh, I'll send one to Brent, to David, uh, to Matthew, and to Rafa. If anybody wants to come up and just say their piece real quick. All right, we're gonna take our first break. This episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. And it's springtime, so that means the weather's warming up, things are getting nicer outside. It's time to start working on your car. And that is usually a fun thing. It's something that you do just, you know, on a Saturday or whatever. You don't have work. You want to just go out and do something with your hands. Hopefully not try anything too crazy. Don't go trying to change your head gasket or anything unless you know what you're doing. But, you know, maybe changing out some cosmetic parts or whatever. It's a fun time to do sometimes. And... The worst part of that, honestly, is usually going to that brick and mortar auto parts store. You go in, they ask you all kinds of questions about your car that you don't necessarily need to know the answer to, to get the part that you need, because you kind of already walk in knowing what it is that you need. But then they, they grill you and then they look up the part for you. And you just know that that salesperson is trying to upsell you on whatever it is that's going to get them the best commission or whatever. And then they finally give you the the invoice for the part and you go, oof, that was really expensive. I was not expecting to spend this much, but whatever, I'm here. It's fine. Okay, do I get to walk out with this today? And they say, oh, no, of course not. We have to order this for you. Look at the size of this store. How could we possibly stock all the parts for every car that you could possibly need? And then you go back there halfway through the week. You finally go pick up your part, you know, and then you bring it home and then you finally get to work on your car that next weekend. After waiting like probably a week, that's where rockauto.com comes in. You can plan ahead. You can order your parts online from the comfort of your couch without having to go to that store and talk to those people and have them upsell you. You can look at your own leisure. You can, the website is extremely easy to look through. It's just when you log on to rockauto.com, you get greeted with every make of car that you could possibly imagine just right on the homepage. Click on your make of car, the year, the model, the trim package. 
And then you just get a nice, easy to sort through list of parts priced better than you're going to see anywhere else on the internet. And the best part is if you do decide you need some help, rockauto.com has the best customer service because they've been at this for over 20 years as an online auto parts store, and they love to take care of their customers. So if you want to check out all the parts available for your car truck, head to rockauto.com right now and do so. And if you decide to pick up a part and get it sent directly to your house without having to make a trip out to the auto parts store, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. French has asked a question. Am I the only one who finds it annoying how some players based on how they play, get less criticism for underachieving than other players in their tier. And, oh, wow, that's now this is I think I, I triggered Rafa with the uh, <laughs> um, with the car. I'm going to bring Brent back uh, up. Yeah, no, I'm now, now I'm, I'm triggered by the Nash point. I'm just going to Brent, I'll, I'll give you a chance to respond to it. But uh, I, I'm just going to throw out sure. quickly. That was like like when did he lose the series? He should have won. I, I don't think like like to me, Nash is one of the great examples of someone who, like, when it came to gut check time, like, he played some of his best ball. And he, he had some insane – like, he, he was not a player who, who liked shooting a ton or scoring a ton, but he, he ripped off 38-point playoff games when he needed to. Um, I, I look at that Suns team, and I see a team that, outside of the first one, where, where Joe Johnson broke his nose and they, they were so good in 4 or 5 like, absolutely loaded – they were just they didn't have quite enough talent to get over a team like San Antonio or or just or like the years they did. It was Amari getting hurt or Sean Marion having issues with his role. Like to me, Nash is is like a big time example of someone who actually did. Uh, unlike uh, sorry, Rafa Carl Malone or someone like that who kind of wilted in key moments. Nash was pretty consistently there. Um, and I, I don't think he's someone who's like overrated or, or, or by most people underrated really historically. OK, you can hear me. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I feel like that is fair. But when you look at another player, well, not depending on how you feel about it in his tier, you look at Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, when did he lose a series he wasn't supposed to lose? He didn't lose a series he wasn't supposed to lose. Debatably with uh, against the Pacers, debatably. But even then, even when Carmelo was bringing his team to a Western Conference Finals, there was still hella criticism about him, about, oh, he passes the ball, he's too much of a ball hog. And that, to me, is valuing style. Oh, I don't like the way he plays, so therefore I'm a go at him versus Nash. Oh, it's like the Bill Simmons thing. Oh, I'd love to play pickup with him. It's always the debate about, oh, I'd love to play with that guy versus what the player actually does. Yeah. yeah. And, and you go know, ahead, too. So I, I think for some guys, you know, it's it's difficult in the the GOAT debates to say like definitively with some of these guys, you know, what their what their position is, because so much of what makes success in the NBA is just the stars lining right for certain teams and certain players. I mean, think about like, like an interesting thought study is like, think about what Dirk's legacy would be like if he didn't get that one title. He'd be hard. Yeah. I mean, he'd still be catching a lot of the same heat. I think that like Melo catches, you know, of he never won a title. How much did he really, I mean, cause he had, I mean, he had so many number one, number two seeds with the Mavs that ultimately fell apart in the playoffs and and didn't win. And, you know, they finally got over the hump that one time. And it was just kind of because the stars aligned. They faced the Heat, who still didn't have their their stuff together uh, in the first year of the big three and all that. Like, it's I think there's a lot of like context that you have to take into account. And I think that it gets a little lost sometimes with some of these 
some of these arguments about you know like the rings debates and the and that sort of stuff is like it, that weighs really heavy for like like Kobe's legacy for example of people say oh well, he's got the you know he's got the five rings and it, that's awesome and you know puts him in company with Jordan in that respect but then you have to like take into context like yeah but he was playing with Shaq who was like an MVP <laughs> for the first three of them so the stars just sort of I mean he was very talented in his own right but there were plenty of other players that you probably could have put in Kobe's role in the you know the first or not the first but the the three P and you know could have you know reasonably still won titles with Shaquille O'Neal those first three years so then how would Kobe's legacy be viewed if he was like I don't know, like uh, on the magic or something and you, and you swap Tracy McGrady with Kobe uh, and, you know, T-Mac and Shaq win three titles together or something like that. How, yeah. how would T-Mac be viewed differently? How would Kobe be viewed differently as two guys that, that had very, you know, arguably similar, at least peaks, you know, as super high level scores that could kind of do it all and, and that sort of thing. So yeah. it's it, it that always plays into these debates and it's it's really interesting to me but it's it's a lot of like revisionist history that you have to kind of jump through hoops to try to uh, get this stuff together. Ralph, yeah, I want to open it to you. I see you've been you've been kind of patiently sitting there and I, I want to just hear what your rebuttal is for Gavin on the Jokic is greater than Malone thing. Well, for, for, first of all, uh, hello from Brazil to all of you guys. Thank you for having me here. It's it's been nice to hear you like for. Uh, Two years in lockdown on Knicks and now to participate with you. Uh, I'm not here to defend Carl Malone because I don't like him, but to compare his his career with with Jokic now, please, Gavin, don't do it for now. Maybe Jokic will be better than him later, but come on, let's let's respect the the others that make basketball um, came to here and came to the other countries like here. And I started to watch uh, NBA in the 90s. And started to 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 cheer for for the Knicks in '93, I guess. And uh, so, from this perspective, um, I I I I see today that people forget uh, very easily how how basketball should be played and how they uh, was played in the '90s and the '80s. And on the other side, uh, let me talk about uh, Kobe's legacy. I guess will be. Um, damaged by by LeBron going to Lakers because you know now the Lakers uh, fans have to cheer for both uh, LeBron and Kobe and I I can see for my friends here in Brazil that are Arvid um, Kobe fans and now they they used to criticize a lot LeBron but as LeBron is now a Laker they they had to cheer for him so I guess because of that uh, perhaps LeBron will surpass Kobe on, uh, on on this level. Not that he's not better. I guess he can be on the top five in, in my list. But uh, he he won't he won't pass Jordan for me, even if he gets the the title. So that is shout out, guys. Thank you for having me, and hope I can join you later in in another edition of this of this conversation. Yeah, I mean, first, Rafa. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how much I, I appreciate you joining us. I, I we, we talked about it on the show a couple of times, but I always get a kick like on on the app we upload our podcast to. You can go to a page and, and see um, where people are listening, 
And I, I just, I'll like every few months or so, I'll scroll through and just see like how many different countries we, we have people tuning in. And even if it's like 10 people in, in like some obscure part of Australia or something, it, it's just, it's, it's really, really cool to know that people in other countries are listening. So really, really appreciate you coming on this and really appreciate you being a part of that. Uh, all, all, my, my only point was it, was it wasn't even getting into the careers. I was just saying Jokic right now is is a better I, I think he's like essentially having a prime Carl Malone season in terms of scoring and rebounding and efficiency plus he's averaging like eight nine assists per game so that was that, that was yeah, my only point yeah, yeah. no no, no, no uh, shots at yeah no, no shots at Carl yeah I can't see I can't yeah even though even though he's a scumbag of a human being but as a player <laughs> no 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 shots at Carl Malone um but uh yeah I know I think it's I mean, I think it's 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 the tricky part of making any comparison between eras, right? Because really, like like the real question you're usually asking is how good w- was each guy relative to an era? Because I mean, the the guys today just have so many advantages, both in terms of the rules and, and in terms of skill development and nutrition and sleeping and and training and injury prevention and mental health. There, there's just so much more that goes into the NBA now, just because we we have the money and the time for it. Um, and, the, and most importantly, the technology for it, um, but he's like someone like Paul George, you transport him with his current skill set into the eighties. Like as much as people like crap on Paul George, he's averaging like 45 points per game in the eighties. And that's just how it is. So I, I generally think, and, and maybe, maybe this is the point you were getting at, like the, the real, really the only way to do this is, is to say, how would so-and-so skill set two ways, I guess, how would so-and-so skill set translate to the modern NBA or, or just look at these guys in a vacuum? How dominant were they relative to the era they played in? And that's when someone puts Bill Russell um, as, as like the third best player of all time. That's the case you're making. You're saying relative to his error, um, the guy was the guy was absolutely unstoppable. And, and, and if you're doing it like that, you can make a case. Bill Russell's the best player of all time. And I don't think anyone can really quibble with you. I think the problem is when people make these lists, they're trying to combine all those different factors in their head at the same time. And it just gets really confusing and the criteria gets mixed. So you have to be really clear, I guess, about what you're saying when you're ranking one player over another. All right, guys, it's that time again. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over couple months now but the nba college basketball and nhl are in full swing bet online even covers awards tv shows and reality you know TV. before you get too far in i just realized that that copy is so stupid college basketball has been over now too for like a week yeah yeah i why mean don't, what, like, I, don't, I don't get why they don't have updated it's what, what why don't you say like college basketball is over but the nba nhl and mlb are strong, in full swing yeah yeah like because they're all in season now I guess yeah. that would work. We could just update that cool. manually. Cause... Yeah, we'll do. All right, three, two, one. All right, guys, it's that time again. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, college basketball, long gone. But the NBA and NHL, my Rangers, they're killing it, are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Final week of Temptation Island next week. I want to, I want to place some bets down, Alex, on which couples are going to stay together and which couples are going to break up. I think I have a pretty good idea, but I don't want to, I don't want to reveal my hand on it on here in case it changes the odds. Real time, updated odds. Look at that and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if, big if, you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I want yeah, to, uh, 
did no, you no, have a no, final, just, final just to say, I agree with you, Gavin. I, I, not not to 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 make peace with you, so to say that I, I agree with you. You're you're right. You're you're completely right. But the only thing that I can add is, if Jordan, for instance, was playing this era, so he he would be, be benefit the benefits of this um, physical training and and psychology and everything. So he was more dominant than he was, I guess, in the eighties and nineties because of the rules. He 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 will play better than than he than LeBron and 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 Kobe in this era, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I, Jordan's the good example of a guy who could transcend all that. But yeah, Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I do think there are certain guys like I think that based off the physical specimen that he was and has always been reported to be, like I've always felt that Will Chamberlain could play in any era too. Um, but I guess that kind of goes as what you were saying, Gavin, about like just how much did they dominate? And I mean, he dominated to the tune of like scoring. 50 points and grabbing like 28 rebounds per game over like an entire season, <laughs> which is just absurd. Um, so maybe, maybe that's just like those type of dudes. I want to, I want to throw it to David who's been waiting patiently. I called up a bunch of people, David, uh, do you want to give sort of your take on this? This is your, uh, second. <laughs> Welcome back. It's my third straight. Um, I'm hoping, hoping that Knicks don't start losing because <laughs> I joined, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, after every fan Friday, I think they've lost. So crossing my fingers that they don't. But anyway, my my point being, it why Wilt, why Kobe, why Jordan, why these guys are all in my top five is they they were people that the NBA kind of had to change the rules for. Like you know, Jordan was just so dominant that you know it, officials kind of just made things like. Like it, in in this era, I should say, like the Jordans of the world, the Kobe's, the uh, the Wilts, the Russells, they're they're averaging maybe. Wilt is definitely like in the sixty or seventy. Um, Jordan might be in the forties. Like it, it's insane. We, these are guys that kind of transcend the game, and sooner or later, LeBron will be on that list. And sooner or later, maybe if Jokic continues to have. Uh, the C continues going in the way he's going. He might be on this list. It we're watching guys like in their prime, which is kind of uh, great to see. But at the same time, we can't really jump to conclusions because you know how we we've seen great players like Yao Ming in his prime, superb, goes down with a foot injury. It's what if, like, I'm losing my point here, but. I'm just saying, like, all these lists, are, are, I agree with you guys, are kind of subjective because different errors, the different rules, and there's just different dominant play, players in their primes. <clears throat> but basically, we kind of all come down to uh, – we can point to maybe one or two or three players that were the most dominant in their errors and pretty much bring them – have a cumulative list of all these players to, you know, create like almost like a Mount Rushmore of uh, the greatest players of all time. I'm sorry, I rambled. But go ahead, <laughs> David. I, no, David, that's I got fine. A I mean, that's. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, it, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just because I was saying what you were saying in like the chat and stuff like that, and like when it comes to like dominant, like because again, pe- all these players are putting up stats and numbers and efficiency. And like I think Jokic is great, but I 
especially early on in his career, like I had a lot of criticism for him because I hated like some of these stat people be like, oh, according to him, he's Vorp, Dorp, Zorp, whatever you call it. He's better than Prime Shaq. But his teams will miss the playoffs early on in his career before he, when he started becoming a starter. And I'd say, okay, is he really that good if his team doesn't win? So do you think as a player is truly dominant if he's putting up stats, but his team is not winning as consistently or not making deep playoff runs? Yeah, I guess that's like part of it too. You know, like stats are one thing, but, you know, performance is another. I I guess there's just certain guys that you can look at and you can say, like you really have to dive deep and like contextualize everything that happened. And it becomes difficult like with – in like the basketball reference era to be like to to actually put context behind some of these numbers and and the overall results of some of these guys uh seasons uh, i'm gonna bring up matthew gauntis as well who put in a speaker request bring him up to talk to um but it's difficult to to sort of uh you know contextualize these things and, and look at them with that nuance because there's guys like i mean yeah you could talk about you want to talk about guys that that put up insane stats like in the current era look at like you know there's like Jokic who Gavin was just talking about versus like Carl Towns like if you're just looking at their basketball reference pages you'd think like wow these are the two most dominant big men of this era you know they have to you know they're they're crazy they're both putting up like 25 points on great efficiency they're you know shooting the three they're rebounding like mad they're dishing assists and everything else um and maybe you know down the line when when Cat's career is all done with, you know, if he never wins a championship or something, 10, 15, 20 years from now, some people might look at his stat ledger and be like, oh, man, was he, like, super underappreciated at the time? And people that watched him would say, well, no, he didn't really play defense, <laughs> you know, and he didn't always play in such a way that, you know, it was conducive to his team being successful. Although on another note, you could also say, well, you know, people that argue the other way on Cat might say, you know, oh, but he was always held back by the fact that Minnesota could never settle on a coach. They had, you know, bad people in charge that didn't put good players around him. They um, had this, that, and the other factor that just, you know, put Cat behind the eight ball. And so he was, you know, putting up all of his stats and doing the things that he needed to do that he could do best. But Ultimately, you know, the, the team just never did well because of extenuating circumstances. So there's like, I, I, again, I feel like I'm rambling now, but there's just so much stuff um, that goes on with that. But Matthew, you put in a, a, a speaker request, so I want to throw it to you uh, to get your take on all this. You've been active in the chat as well about all this if you want to get up. Yeah, so I think um, your just your point about stats is really interesting because – what I think about is the Russell Westbrook MVP, um, which I think now a couple years removed, we all look back on and go, okay, but the team was really bad. Um, they just weren't good. And he put up a lot of numbers. So I don't know, like how much am I supposed to care about stats? You know, like I don't, not that they're meaningless. Um, obviously points, rebounds, assists are how you contribute on the court, but I don't know. We, if you want to do a stats argument, we end up where Chris Paul is going to probably average less than 20 points in his career. And, like, his basketball reference page is not that great, but if you watch the game, like, you understand his impact. And and so I, it's it's tough. It's I think it's exactly what Gavin was talking about. This whole discussion is just like a synthesis of statistics, titles, peak performance, dominance of an era, and it's – I think it's what makes it fun to talk about is everyone like 
weights those things differently. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, I think tough. You talk top five all time. And I think like most people, and again, like I just said, it's different for everybody, but I think most people probably have like, will Jordan LeBron as your top three in any order you want. And so then it's like, well, we got two spots left for all of these great players. Like when we, you talk about top five all time, who are we really talking about here? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's a tough discussion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and sorry, if I just want to throw one thing out there with Paul too. The interesting thing with Paul is that all told he might end up without a championship ring too, which is really going to muddy how people look at him like 10 years from now, I think. But Gavin, I'm sorry. I've, I've said like the last like five things I've responded to. So go ahead. No, it's, it's all good. Um, I mean, Paul, right. I mean, right now he might end up without a Western conference finals appearance, not even for forget a ring, but uh, well, he did have he did get there with, or you mean a West Conference Finals win? No appearance. He's never made it. They've been there. He's been there twice, I think. Yeah. No, he hasn't. Yeah, at least one, no, he just got one with Houston. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't. Houston. No, he didn't make it with Houston. They lost in the unless did did they make? I thought they lost in the second round. The, both times. the first no, they year lost in the Western Conference Finals. The oh, one did he? Okay. All right, yeah. Apologies to Chris Paul. Um, the second year they got out twice. I mean, got, got out the second. Yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah, Matthew, I'm 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 totally with you, and I think I think what makes this stuff so hard is people people overrate the one man team thing, right? It, it in modern NBA history, the, I mean, I, I, or let's not even say modern because Jordan Jordan did it, and some guys in the '90s did it, but post 2000, the guy who's done the the one man team thing, AI sort of did it in Philly, but that was that was a very different NBA. Like I, I just don't think you would you would nearly the same level of talent throughout the league. And like for the last 15, 16 years, LeBron's really been the only guy who's done the one man team thing. Like with those early Cleveland teams where, where if you took him off the roster, you'd be saying, all right, this is this is the worst team in the league. What am what am I looking at here? Daniel Booby Gibson is scoring 25 points in an Eastern Conference finals game. What what what, what what's going on? And, and there's just no one else in the league recently who's really replicated that. Like, like you look at, I mean, the best teams today and, and you come to the realization that it, it's essentially it's essentially impossible, right, to win without a lot of help. Like even even someone like Damian Lillard, as incredible as he is, you look at the roster around him and you say, oh, wait, it's actually it's on paper. It's pretty good. CJ McCollum, he's an all star. Oh, Carmelo's on the team. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, really, really good center. They got Robert Covington, Norman Powell's really good. That team's probably going to lose in the first round. And and to me, that just drives home the point. No matter how good you are, you can't win by yourself. And it's why I give someone like Carl Anthony Towns, even if I have some issues um, th- this year, I think he, he deserves a mulligan with everything he's gone through. But in general, give him some issues with his defense and his effort at times. Um, I, I look at him and I'm like, all right, who's like, how is he supposed to win? No one in the NBA is winning big with that roster. If you replaced him with KD or Steph, are, are they making the playoffs some of the last couple of years where they were like one of the worst teams in the league? Maybe they're, they're not winning a series. So that, that, that's kind of what it comes down to, to for me. And, and, and to me, Anthony Davis is the ultimate example of that. I mean, he had the exact same narrative for most of his career's counts, maybe a little bit better because they did make the playoffs a couple of times. They had the one year where they just destroyed Portland. But he, he was a guy who was considered perennially injured, and a perennial loser. He joins LeBron James. He joins an organization with some depth, with good coaching, and, and with an alpha dog. And he's he's a, he's the champion of the world. So I, I think it's just I think people get a little bit too caught up in that idea of one player driving winning in a significant way. 
And, and sometimes we, we just we do not give enough credit to context. And I mean, this will be my last point because I could I could talk about this for 45 minutes. But someone like James Harden, I think I, I hope he gets the credit he deserves historically. And I, I know everyone can take issue with the playoff stuff. But the fact that he consistently got those Houston teams as far as he did when they were at such a massive talent deficit outside of their best player relative to a team like the Warriors. And the fact that, frankly, they, they would have, I mean, the year that I forgot they got to the conference finals, they would have won the series that year if Chris Paul doesn't um, tear his hamstring. That, and and that's, that, that would have been it. it, it even, even with that, it took them missing 27 straight threes in Game 7 for Golden State, which was literally the most loaded team of all time, to get out. So I, I just think people, people too often don't take into account the supporting cast when, like, when they just kind of scream rings, like when we're having these debates. And it, that, that, that really, I think, gets at me more than anything else because it's just it, – it's really, it's really hard to say. Like, like basketball, more than almost any other sport, individuals can drive winning, but it's still incredibly difficult, and we overrate the degree to which that happens. And I, yeah. Go ahead, Matthew, if you got one more parting shot. Actually, I'll just open it up. I'll, I'll ask each of you for one more parting shot because we're starting to run a little long. We're going to have two – long parts to this episode at this point when we publish it so Matthew I'll throw it to you for your your closing shot here if you have one yeah for sure I just think the um maybe another great example of what Gavin was just talking about is the Raptors title where it's like ooh, Kawhi walked in and they won a ring and then you look what happened the year after that he left and they were a good team like they were a real threat in the east last year it's not you know, one guy walks in and you get a ring. It, it doesn't happen. It's just, it's not the league we live in right now. I think we're as stacked with talent from top to bottom in the league as we've been maybe ever. I mean, I haven't been watching since the inception of the league, but it, it just, it doesn't work that way. And yeah, so I just then, agree. Yeah, Matt, just quickly to that point. I mean, even, even with how much talent that team had and like Nick Nurse, like being quote unquote, like the best coach on earth for that stretch, it still took like Kawhi hitting that fluky shot against Philly. Milwaukee had a 2-0 lead and had game three wrapped up. They blew it. And then the Warriors, if, if KD doesn't get hurt, that series goes five games, I think. And even with KD getting hurt, if Clay doesn't get hurt, I kind of think Golden State pulls it out. So that just, it just gives you, it's really, really hard to win a title in the NBA and people, people forget that, but I think it's a great point, Matt. All right. Uh, so I will. All right, Matt, I'm going to take you uh, real quick. Matt, do you have uh, do you want to give social media or anything before you get down? No, I'm good, man. This, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for coming up, man. We'll hopefully see you next week. Uh, all right. So I'll throw it to either uh, David or, or Brent. If one of you guys wants to make your your parting shot before we wrap up here. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about like. Again, when you're evaluating players, you always got to split hairs and everything is really just so personal and contextual about errors and things like that. And I've struggled with that a lot because, again, I want – because basketball, at the end of the day, it is about winning. So you don't want to just give players credit for, oh, you showed up and you filled the stat sheet. Congratulations. But, again, winning a title is extremely hard. That's why these players team up together because it's extremely hard to do things by yourself. And almost nobody has done it other than – LeBron and again like I, I like players like CP3 and stuff like that but also kind of find it hypocritical a little bit when we use terms like quote-unquote so and such as a winning player but they haven't won like a lot of people could say oh CP3 makes all these winning plays he's such a winning player and that's true but he hasn't won so it's kind of 
it's going to be on his legacy, whether or not it's fair. I don't think it truly is. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't win when he retires, that's going to be on his resume, whether or not we like it or not. Yeah, it's a whole nother debate, but uh, one that I haven't seen come up for a while, at least probably because it mostly came up in relation to the Knicks for a long time, is uh, CP3 versus Mello and how differently they're viewed just based off the archetype of player that they were. And yet they've had roughly the same amount of success in their careers, you know, as far as making the playoffs, making the playoffs to the second round, um, you know, to the, the conference finals, like each one of them only has one conference finals on their resume. Um, each of them have only made it to the second round a handful of times, you know, but both were fantastic players. Yet if you ask, you know, Oh, which one of Carmelo or CP three, CP three, do you think was a, a top five player at their position all time? It, almost every person would say, Oh, CP three in the landslide, even though it's, you know, the, if you look at it contextually, uh, there's definitely some, some hairs to be split there. Uh, but Brent, I'm going to, I'm going to move you down, man. Thank you so much for, for coming on a second time. I think uh, this was, this was a really fun debate to get into David. Uh, if you want to say goodbye real quick. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks Brent. And David, do you want to make your, uh, your parting shots here before we wrap up and, and end this episode? Oh, well, oh, you guys pretty much, uh, well, Brent took the points right out of, out of my mouth. Um, I guess the one thing I learned about this conversation is that we kind of overvalue the quote unquote winning part. Like the the people that have titles are pretty much bought up over everyone. While like we, we, we don't break down things statistically pretty much. Like Gary Payton, he's a great player. John Stockton's a great player. Charles Barkley's a great player. But you rarely hear those players in the same air as like a a Kobe, Jordan, or I don't know, Braun. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, basically, uh, I, I, I'm going to try to be better as a personally when I really think about, uh, you know, lists like these. But uh, that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks again. Yeah. Guys. And as a, as another like real quick thing that you just made me think of too, like if you're talking about Gary Payton, and anyway, I feel like we keep coming back to Chris Paul, but that's another guy that like again, I'm I'm so curious. I almost wish I could just like peer into the future and just see like oh 20 years from now after Chris Paul has been retired for you know at least <laughs> 20 years from now, maybe he still plays another five years for <laughs> the rate he's going. But yeah. you know how do we look at like. Chris Paul versus like a Gary Payton, because right now I think a lot of people really rate Chris Paul highly as far as like all time point guards and stuff. But if you look at like resume and, you know, prolonged success and, um, you know, how far they got without ultimately winning a title, you know, Payton probably has as much of a case as Paul to be in the upper echelon of point guards in NBA history yet, at least right now, while we're living in the Paul era, a lot of people would say like, oh, I might put Paul top five all time as a point guard. I might not do so for Peyton just because of that, the title argument, even though, you know, uh, Peyton gave tons of really, really great players in the nineties and and early two thousands trouble as a defender and on offense. So it's just, just another, another wrinkle there. Uh, But David, thanks so much for popping up again and making it three straight weeks. Hope we, uh, hope we get four straight weeks out of you next week. Yeah, hopefully a Knicks um, win. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, man. Yeah, we're gonna break the 
the David curse <laughs> against the map. So thanks for popping up, man. Appreciate you. Bye, guys. Thank you. All right. And with that, we're now at the hour and 20 minute mark. This one. Oh, wow. New record. Yeah, this is definitely our new record, and we definitely had our most our most people, I think, engaging and, and in the room. So thank you all so much for coming in. This was so much fun. Uh, this this GOAT debate and how we formulate top 10 players and all that is definitely going to be an episode all its own. So thank you all for – actually, thank you to the guy that popped in and said Kobe is the GOAT and put in a speaker request probably just to troll and then left immediately <laughs> and started this whole, this whole discussion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for coming on. Uh, this is Alex Wolf. He's Gavin Shaw. This was locked on Knicks and, uh, we'll be back probably same time next week. We got to check the schedule either Thursday or Friday. So just keep your ears to the ground on locked on Knicks and, and on our Twitter and everything else. And we'll be, uh, we'll be sure. Oh my goodness. Ari says we're the Mike and the mad dog of locker room. Oof. <laughs> that's, that's big shoes to fill. One way or the other. Uh, (laughs) At any rate, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for participating. And uh, we will talk to you guys all next week.